G'day, welcome to Radio Notes, where those in music talk life, and those in life chat music and more. I'm John Murch, and our feature guest today is Mallory Steele of D'Urberville. Before we hear from her, let's head... In the box. Bones, new single from Caitlin Shadbolt, produced by Andy Mack, whose mark can be heard on the music from Vera Blue and the McLeomonts. Shadbolt has country in their sound, but equally pop, which saw them perform their previous single, Bad, at the Australian Commercial Radio Awards, alongside Dean Lewis and the band Shepherd. Now to surf single So Much Love has been getting high rotation in the Radio Notes HQ studio, and new through in the inbox news, it will be off an album called Never Not Together, out February 7th. Verve Forecast reports the current Mandy Moore cut, Save a Little for Yourself, will be part of an album Silver Landing, due to land March 6th, 2020. Finally, Waxahachie has announced a new album to be called Saint Cloud, out through Merge Records at the end of March. The lead tune is Fire. We'll link to the music video in the show notes. The song was dreamt up while crossing the Mississippi River, written about, to quote Katie of Waxahachie, Written by me to myself, it's about the internal dialogue of shame surrounding mistakes you've made in the past and how we spiral and beat ourselves up when we slip. It's meant to be a bit of a personal pep talk, she states. Let's now head to our feature guest. Trombonist, songwriter and singer Mallory Steele performs as Duberville, the name from the Thomas Hardy novel with themes throughout their music reflective of. Their debut release is Made From Steel that puts their intelligently written horn lines to the fore with storytelling key to each cut. And on a sunny day in the Adelaide Hills outside the Organic Cafe in Stirling, they joined us for a chat. Mallory, welcome to Radio Notes. When were you first introduced to the trombone? So I first started playing trombone in year nine. I went to an all-girls school and... I'd played piano, I think I'd tried drums for a little bit, I'd played saxophone, but they were always short of brass players um, for the stage bands. And it was really interesting because around that time it became really important for music programs to have a stage band because of the big Generations in Jazz Festival in Mount Gambia. So there was a big push to have a full stage band and they needed trombone players and they said, if you play trombone, you can be in the stage band, you can go to Mount Gambia. So yeah, I picked it up just for that. So let's take you even further back. Yeah. When were you first introduced to music? I actually remember doing like a music group classes for like mums and toddlers it was like a little percussion group held at a church and yeah we used to play triangles and xylophones and run around with scarves I think that's probably when I was first introduced to music I started piano lessons group keyboard classes when I was probably about five was it fun it was really fun I had this amazing teacher called Miss Bronwyn and this was a group class we'd sing all these songs. It was at the Yamaha Music School, Richmond. We'd like sing songs about, I don't know, washing dogs and yeah, I remember it being really fun. How far did you take the piano lessons? Uh, not as far as I should have, to be honest. That teacher moved away and I had a new teacher and it was um, 
you know, it was still good, but it was different. And then I started taking one-to-one lessons and I didn't practice and that really frustrated my teacher. I think he could see that I had some potential, but I didn't put any work in. So he kind of gave me an ultimatum that I'd have to start practicing or he wouldn't be able to teach me anymore. And I said, that'd probably be for the best. (laughs) I think I was about 12 then, yeah. So I stopped piano lessons. Did that mean you stopped your engagement with performing music at that stage, at 12? Just about. I, I was learning... I did pick up alto saxophone around that time, but I was very uncomfortable performing. So I think my saxophone teacher encouraged me to join one of the school bands, and I was so afraid that I went to one rehearsal and I didn't have any music and I got yelled at for not having any music and I didn't go back for another couple of years. At that point is Mm. where the trombone, as you're suggesting, was a chance to get into the big bands. Yeah, so I mean... I. I did eventually play a bit more saxophone in, you know, concert band, saxophone ensemble, but the big band was the ensemble to be in. It was the cool band, the one that went on the trip to Mount Gambia, and the trombone was the way in. During that time, you would have had the chance to go back to the saxophone, Mm. go back to the piano, Mm. but you seem to have projected yourself as being a trombonist. What is the affection you have for the trombone? All the teachers I've had, I've really enjoyed all the teachers I had. I mean, I've enjoyed teachers on all instruments, but my first trombone teacher was Lizzie Gregory, and I just thought she was so cool. And, yeah, I picked it up pretty quickly. I think I enjoyed that. It just worked for me. But I also had, like, in the back of my head, the fact that trombone got me into the stage band, you know, where else could that get me? You know, if there's a demand for trombone at school, then where else could it take me did you find at any stage it limited the genre of music that you want to play um not particularly I've always thought of it as being a pretty versatile instrument but I guess I'd always wanted to even during high school I thought you know one day I want to write pop music I want to be a songwriter and you know I should probably be able to sing and play piano at the same time or sing and play guitar at the same time or something to you know present myself as a sort of singer-songwriter yeah not quite there yet (laughs) we'll get through to the singer-songwriting stage Mm. in a moment before we do that from high school through to any Mm. sort of university education with the trombone yeah I did the jazz performance degree at Adelaide Uni what did it give and what did you get from that degree I think just the kind of music background that I didn't have in theory because I didn't study a lot of theory at school I didn't do music as a subject I wasn't planning to pursue music at any point really so doing the jazz course gave me a really solid background in theory and just an incredible network of musicians really good kind of arranging skills for for ensemble and just good experience in like rehearsing a band and playing with a band so music was just the gateway to being one of the cool kids at first yeah pretty much I mean it was like yeah just a way of being part of something I think what lessons were you learning from your music from high school I think like teamwork you know Mm. contributing to something and you know when you're playing in a band you know even if you're playing third trombone you're responsible for that part of the arrangement and it's it's yours to contribute and it has to be there 
thing about trombones at school was we were all in the same boat of we all felt like it was this random instrument that we'd all just ended up playing because the school needed more of them so we weren't I don't think any of us kind of took trombone too seriously we were just happy to give it a go and be in the band when did you start taking it seriously um not till I tried to um audition for uni yeah not till after school what was the process like auditioning into university yeah it was interesting because after I finished school I just did a year of an arts degree because I didn't know what I was going to do but I missed music a lot so I contacted my teacher from high school for a recommendation to get a new trombone teacher because he moved away so he recommended a teacher to me that would help me prepare for the audition and we talked about improvising over a blues which is something I'd never done before never had no idea what that was was that your first introduction to jazz at that point yeah I mean I played in the big band and that was the the genre but I'd never the music program at my school was still kind of was sort of being built from the ground up again it had been been through a bit of a rough patch but um yeah so I think yeah, I didn't really have any exposure to jazz or improvising. I want to still focus on the instrument, just to give people a nice warm sense that the trombone is an instrument that can be part of their life. Before mm. we started the conversation, I proudly gave you a copy of Shannon Barnett's release, one of her releases. Who are those idols that you have in the trombone world? Shannon Barnett is the one. Really? Oh, absolutely. I did not know this. Yeah, so... So I mentioned that Generations in Jazz was a big deal for school band programs and I think the first time I went was in year 10 or something. So, you know, I was pretty new to trombone. I only played trombone to be in the band. But I saw Shannon play at Generations in Jazz. She and James Morrison had a bit of a trombone battle and, like, she won. I hadn't had a lot of exposure to trombone playing but suddenly seeing a woman playing trombone and owning it was huge and I remember one of my teachers actually kind of like looking to me with like the bit of a nod like that could be you before then it had never seemed like like a possibility until I saw her play to see it is to know it Mm. to actually be able to know that someone like Shannon existed and that you could not necessarily follow in the footsteps but definitely be in the same playground Mm. there are kind of gendered associations that we have with instruments that are sort of cultural like because of the sound of the instrument or the shape of the instrument or the the way it's played like those characteristics of the instruments do kind of align often align more with like masculinity but as well you know culturally women haven't been musicians it's just I find it really interesting that these ideas are kind of in our heads without us knowing. In those generation of jazz days did you have a conversation with Shannon then? No, not then. Seen her play, but I didn't catch her name. And it wasn't until years later that I figured out who that was and, yeah, looked her up and found more of her music. And once I did, I flown to Melbourne a couple of times to see her and, you know, had a quick chat after the gig, that kind of thing. Let's move on to your music. As people already would have picked up, the title of the band comes from a book regarding character Tess... Do you associate yourself with Tess much? Um, 
I mean, I haven't been through what she's been through, but yeah, I think she just keeps going, you know, all this stuff, a lot of bad things kind of happen to her, come her way, and she just believes kind of if you if you do good, you'll be okay, you know, it's just what you do, and she just, yeah. The child is called sorrow, mm. that, that even if you do do good, you'll still be delivered some of the worst mm. to still work through. Yeah. Is that just a reflection on life and the challenges that life is truly about? Just the reality of it? Yeah, I think so. It's You think, you know, there's this karmic thing and if you do good, good will happen to you. But you can't control any of that. Even if you do good, you can't really control that. And I think but she's also living in a time where as, as a woman and as a lower class woman, she, she has very little control over her destiny. Mm. And how are you hoping to change that through Ben with that name? I think, you know, what I kind of write and sing about is, like, I try to be quite honest and what is something that I think I picked up from Kate Miller-Heidke is she's very vulnerable in her music, but that that's, can be quite empowering as well. So, yeah, being empowered by vulnerability and just being open to sharing that I really loved her first album Little Eve and it just the name Little Eve you know it's this young vulnerable innocent naive kind of woman just yeah just being really honest and about being naive like it's okay to be young and not know everything and and want to be loved and all of that being vulnerable can be sometimes be deemed as quiet. You have very loud instruments, both her vo- vocals, of course, mm. they've done the heights of Eurovision and other things of such ilk, and yourself with a trombone, which is a, a more brassier, out there, hear me roar kind of sound as well. Does that give you a chance to write songs that you can trust will be looked after by your instrument? Does it give you a safe space to write within? Yeah, it's a really interesting idea because I think a big part of the Durbeville stuff is it's not just the songwriting but it's the arrangements as well and I'm always arranging with the horn section in mind you know how are they going to kind of fit in but I think it's more about how are they going to support the ideas of the music and I have this thing a lot of my songs they build quite not super gradually but I really like just adding layers as we go and often that's you know adding the horns in so a song that might start off more vulnerable by the end everything's louder and bigger and more fun and bolder and and the horns are in there so it's like this vulnerability from the beginning is now supported talk to us a bit more about that building up of the armor of your musical output Mm. the kind of the theme of the the ep is heartbreak you know it it is vulnerable but i think the songs are not about dwelling on being sad they're about finding a way to kind of move forward even though they're about heartbreak heartbreak they're sad songs they're they are empowering and it's mostly about you know hope and and finding yourself so yeah I think you know when we were playing at the launch my mantra for myself as a performer was just to embody joy that was my plan for performing. Even though I know they're sad songs, I just wanted to embody joy. Another thing that comes through the EP is that of being lied to, the number of lies that one gets told within such circumstances. Mm. And uh, being lied to is a very 
harmful and painful situation to go through. Is this the therapy of that? Yeah, I think it's been interesting because, you know, as much as I've said, the music's not about dwelling on anything. When you do write music that's from personal experience, you do end up dwelling on it. But this year I was doing honours in the pop music course at uni and kind of using D'Urberville as a project for that. I had to write a paper about my creative process and what I ended up doing is I I wrote as though the songs were about a character called D'Urberville. So I've written these songs about my experiences but then I was named this character D'Urberville and reanalyzed the songs as being about her, not about me. And that was a really interesting way to create a bit of distance. Though I did end up learning things about myself through that, which was interesting. Things like cathartic come to mind. What kind of vibe did that writing process put you through? Did you submit it at the last minute because it was just too hard? Yeah, it got, it got difficult. Um, but cathartic is a word that came up a lot in my writing yeah it was interesting when we recorded Plum Jam which is the third track on the EP and that's probably the most kind of introspective song I think when we recorded the the vocals I think you know some of them are some of the other songs are a bit more poppy so we did did a bit of the chorus bit of the chorus okay let's redo that let's redo that you know a bit of editing but when we did Plum Jam we did the first take and I just felt like I was not connected with the music at all I felt like I was just thinking too much so I said okay we'll do another take you know another full take the bass to work from but when we finished that second take it just felt like the one and it was the first time I've ever been singing and I've really felt connected to the music I felt that cathartic release at the end of the song and that was the first time I'd really felt that thing like I'm singing and I'm feeling it at the same time so yeah we used that second take pretty much as it was because it was just so emotional having Durbeville the character involved at that stage did that give you a sort of bird's eye view to actually let the heart go a little harder mm. yeah I think and that's that's part of the reason why I didn't want this to be a self-titled project is that I wanted some of that freedom I didn't want it to be too close to me because I think that would be I think that would be harder how many times have you listened to the final product the final product put the EP into the CD player in the car or whatever and listen from start to finish I did listen to the the master CD so before it was printed I listened to that once that's it I think yeah because yeah. it's hard yeah it's um the when I listened to that master CD I it was hard yeah I think I picked up on something that I hadn't realized was in there and and that hit me and actually we rehearsed a couple of days later and I, I could barely sing one of the songs because it it wasn't about what I thought it had been about and it really got to me. So you're still addressing some issues that within this EP that people can listen to. Yeah, well, it was the thing. It wasn't about me. It was about, um, yeah, a lot of family <laughs> stuff. Yeah, it was some family stuff that came out, and um, yeah, I didn't realise I'd written that in there. 
How do you normally resolve those kind of issues? Do you talk things through or do you just hold them even closer? I think, you know, when it comes to kind of family or friend, like, yeah, when it comes to relationships with family and friends, you can't always control those situations. You know, and and a lot of the time it's kind of ongoing things, you know, like relationships take a lot of kind of work to maintain. Yeah, just, just trying to find people that understand and trying to talk with them. But, yeah, it's... Yeah, not everyone's been there, I guess. I'm going to let that be because obviously you're still working through whatever that is and Mm. apologies for bringing it up, but we we got there. (laughs) (laughs) There we are. You say that relationships are a lot of work. Mm. How much... Do you believe that is the case, that they are meant to be work and not just a, a part of life? There's something I've been thinking about a bit lately. I just think relationships have to be actively maintained. You can't really take them for granted. I mean, maybe some people can and it's easy and that's great, but I think, um, I think I'm naturally more kind of introverted and... I can get in a bit of a get stuck in a bit of a cycle of withdrawing so I need to make sure that I do actively maintain relationships with friends with family so how do you best communicate then usually through writing written words that's the safest way that's where I feel like I can write it down and I can organize my thoughts and and see it that's when I feel like I can communicate best. How easy have you found it in writing songs? Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, you know? Like, I've got a little reject pile that keeps growing, but... Now, let's be honest, is it a reject pile or future songs? If there's a memorable idea in there, then I know it might be usable. Because you're saying it's a pile, so you've kept it. Yeah, that's true, yeah. So how does that process work? Do you sit down, you give yourself an hour, or, or do you just doodle doodle along as, as those thoughts are coming to mind? You know, often in my notes on my phone or my voice memos, I'll have some ideas and they'll come up. They'll come to me when I'm trying to sleep or when I'm in the shower or whenever. So I just try and keep track of those ideas. And usually when I get an idea, it's the, the lyrics and the melody together. And that will be the kind of beginning the way I think of it is, I don't know if you've ever seen these dinosaur excavation kits for children. It's like a block of clay with all these like plastic dinosaur bones like hidden in there. Get all these little tools. I don't think I've ever had one in my life, but I used to see ads for them on TV. The, bone, the bones are all in there. You've just got to kind of chip away to find them. So when I have a song idea, I think of the song already exists. I've just got to find it. I've just got to uncover the rest of it. We're in conversation with Mallory Steele from De Herbeville. I have a song called Chloe about a dream I had in which I had a baby and I called her Chloe. And so the, the chorus is about like searching for, you know, I wake up and I don't have the baby and I'm sad. And then the chorus is about looking for a man so that I can like get my baby back. Sounds bizarre. But the song is more about those expectations to find 
a man, settle down, have mm. a baby. The oh. cart horse of that as well, it sounds like, in terms of already having the baby, as you're saying, mm. as a thought, an idea, mm. and then, as you mm. just explained, going through and getting the means of doing that. Yeah. Have you tried to piece out why, Chloe? No, and this was years ago. Okay. I like So I did watch Madeline as a kid, cartoon of the books, and one of Madeline's friends is called Chloe, and I always liked that name. Okay. Let's quickly go back to academic side of the EP. Yeah, so the submission for uni had to be 45 minutes long, so I actually submitted two EPs, but the other one's demo quality. Putting together the next EP and thinking ahead was interesting and thinking about getting really into that idea of D'Urberville being a character and kind of thinking about what's next for this character, thinking about the trajectory. Did a bit of analysis into one of Kate Milhaiki's songs, Space They Cannot Touch, and one of Kimbra's songs, Settle Down. And I was looking at the way they kind of construct protagonists in their music. Because they're not always singing as themselves. I mean, they are and they aren't. In Kimbra's case, did you find that she was in that case in terms of Settle Down? No, no, that was like, that's very like hyperbolic character which is what I'm going for in that Chloe song as well yeah overdoing it making it seem crazy but just to point out again the it's the same theme it's the um yeah marital expectations Chloe will probably be the next single yeah maybe it 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 does like I think it is a bit unusual like and you know when I performed it the other day I wanted to preface it with like hey everyone please like don't take this too seriously like I'm not crazy but which is the first sign that you're (coughs) yeah yeah I know it's not good not a good look but um it does get a good response that one it it is quite memorable (laughs) when were you first introduced to Indy Indy my dog um alas the cue from the dog yeah yeah which isn't Indy by the way but yeah yeah I mean, she's three. She's a particular breed of dog that don't calm down or grow up too soon. Yeah, I mean, she's mum's dog that mum and my sister picked up a few years ago. And, um, yeah. Do you class her as family? Yeah. Yes, I live with mum and the, the cat and the dog. And, yeah, I do spend a lot of time at home, you know, working on songs and and writing so yeah sometimes I've got the dog and the cat following me around the house my little squad where does society's expectation come from that we need something more than just a pet just uh, just more than a a plus one of of that nature in our life yeah like historically like like a woman couldn't survive without a husband like you know that was the the financial structure you needed to marry someone recording this in 2019 though yeah, but those ideas just stick around, you know. A lot of music is about love and relationships and, you know, even all the action movies, the characters will get together at the end of it. You know, it's just, I don't know, we've got this obsession with just, like, pairing people up. Have you had to fight off that ideal in your life? Well, it's just, yeah, I don't know. I think, I don't know, I often feel pursued Mm. by people and I think it was actually something that worried me right about 
writing and releasing like a heartbreak EP I was like oh great now everyone's gonna know I'm single look out you know often yeah just wary of being approached by people that want you know something that I'm not not really offering or advertising it's a documentation of when you've put your your cards on the table Mm. showing your hand so to speak Mm. what happened it's not a case of here's my tarot of the future Mm. become part of it Mm. I want to be you know honest and I want to you know people have said that they really like the the stories and they really like knowing the the background behind the songs you know and you know like one of my favorite songwriters is Harry James Angus and and I love hearing him talk about what his songs are about you know I love hearing the the details in the background um so yeah I want to be able to do that but yeah just trying to make sure there's enough kind of distance we're contextualizing this part of the conversation in that of society's expectation of marriage kids and this Mm. this this particular narrative that if you are to have a kid then it is going to be with the bloke and all this heteronormative kind of idea Mm. and I think too often I've seen the heteronormative narratives. I've seen them go wrong. I've seen people that have, you know, had it in their head that, like, getting married and having kids is just what you do or what's expected. And they've ended up with the wrong person and then they're having kids and these kids are being raised in a household where their parents don't share the same values. And... It gets messy, and it's not good. But how much work you can put into something and continue to put work into something mm. that when really it should just be sent to the car yard, not the second-hand dealer? Mm. If it's not the right fit, then, you know, it's not going to work. But often people haven't worked that out until after they've already gotten married and had kids. Or even, you know, even if you start seeing someone and you tell your family or introduce them to your friends then you feel locked into it you feel like you know you accept that this relationship is a fact about yourself and you kind of forget that you can leave that you don't have to be in it it's a partnership it's not a communal thing Mm. yeah you know this idea about marriage comes from you know a very different social structure where you know women didn't work so they had to get married but also like our lifespans were shorter back then we live longer now it's interesting that we kind of think that if a relationship ends then it's failed we don't get married and stay married until we die that we've failed when could have a perfectly good healthy relationship that lasted I don't know five years and then could end and that could still be a success but because of the social expectations and our cultural ideas around that yeah I think it's very hard to be okay with that how do you say through your song through your instrumentation which you are one full tromboners have a chance to do through the orchestration of the piece how do you get to communicate that there is something other than the status quo in relation to that well again just being like yeah honest about experiences and um when i've written songs like even the heartbreak songs you know i'm not writing about a person i'm just writing about my experiences you know if we were all 
more open about our experiences and, and talked more and shared more and broke down some of those kind of walls and expectations. The EP is now out and about. It's mm-hmm. called Made From Still, for which mm. you well and truly are. What journey do you have for this record? These days we talk about taking a journey, being on a journey. It was a journey. Life is a journey. Mm-hmm. What journey do you perceive, Mallory, for this EP that's just been released in 2019? I'm just so happy to have done something. I think part of the, you know, the the songwriting, you know, as we're saying, it's a bit, bit of, bit self therapy, you know, writing. But the the act of actually making something happen, you know, of of putting the band together and creating something that now exists, you know, I have physical CDs that exist in the world. Yeah, that's been a huge journey for me because, you know, as I was saying, it's something I've wanted to to do for a long time, but to actually take that initiative and make something happen you know at the launch as well like reflecting on my songs my ideas my little thoughts in my head turned into this project and made this event happen and brought these people here like that's been huge for me yeah i hope people listen to the music what are you currently listening to i've been a bit obsessed with Harry James Angus's new single Flicker. I've been listening to that on repeat. Can't wait for the album that I think's coming. Local band called Seabass and I've been listening to their single Body Close. What's the connection with you to them? Being Adelaide, it's one degree of some sort. Yeah, I mean I know some of the people in the band. It's just been coming into my head. So you've been listening to those two, that's been your prime go-to of late? Well, yeah, but I'm, I am more of a... I do like to listen to complete albums, not singles. So, I don't know, it's hard just having one, one track. But yeah, in the car, I've had AM by the Arctic Monkeys in the car for months. I'll often just stick one CD in the car and just have it. How um, wide is that genre taste? Genre, um, of course, is just a construct. Oh, but, yeah, you know. yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I can't work out what genre of music I make myself so struggling yeah not keen on the idea of genre at the moment but yeah that's where those reviews suck it's like am I really that what am I who knows yeah go on define me everyone else has been I listen to a lot of like that kind of emo pop punk stuff in high school and I still still listen to some of those same albums now I'm, I'm not huge for exploring new music I find that I find an album that I love and just listen to it again and again and again. Listening back to that older instead of the the newer music as you were saying just there, is that the case of reconnecting with some memories? Because I, you know, will listen to an album again and again and again. There are albums that I will associate particularly with a part of my life and you know, I've been listening to Megan Washington's first album, I Believe You Liar recently and it's been a go-to for the last couple of weeks and which is really nice because it reminds me of myself back then you know I've I feel like I've been on a bit of a journey the last five years or so so it's been really nice listening to that and also listening back to something that that I connected with like before this journey and just feeling like like I've kind of found myself again you know I'm back to 
who I was before this happened because the thing about these experiences is you can come out the other side feeling a bit damaged, a bit broken, a bit like you'll never quite be the same again. So I've really enjoyed listening to stuff that I was into before any of it happened. Not letting those experiences define you, like I'm still who I was five years ago, I just know a lot more about myself. So those albums are a sense of reset? Mm, yeah. What keeps you strong? Just deciding to be strong. Just just being determined to not let it take over. You've you know? very much got thinking straight ahead, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, Blink, exactly. Blinkers on. Yeah. Within that, you've got your, your band of merry people. Uh, of course, the band. Mm-hmm. The band... The you know like rehearsals with the band have been like the best part of the year. You seem really happy on stage as well. Yeah, being the lead singer of a band is it still feels quite new to me. It's um yeah like a lot of the time I think I'd rather be playing trombone to the side, you know, not singing out the front. But yeah, the launch on Saturday just felt great. It was really fun. Do you have um? Because you can't sing and play trombone at the same time. To take a particular reserved moment for the trombonist of the band and say, yeah, you're doing all right. Do you feel like you have some sort of kindredship with them? Oh, yeah. When they're playing your music, that is. Yeah, yeah. Well, so we had, yeah, I had a friend of mine, Lou, play trombone at the launch. And that was the first time I've had another trombone. Like, normally we've, I've just thought, oh, it's not that necessary, but... Like normally we've had, like I've had played what trombone I can, which is not very much because I'm busy singing. But then we just had the trumpet and barry sax. But obviously on the EP I've written three part horn lines for um, most of the songs. So yeah, the Saturday was the first time I hired another trombone player. Yeah, it was fun. There was a kindredship with Lou during that performance. There was no trombone part for Break Her Heart on the album. I was trying to think, like, oh, what can Lou do in that song? Like, I was like, maybe just play tambourine. He was looking forward to that. But I ended up writing something, and actually I just kind of gave him some freedom. I was like, actually, you could just fill this up. You could just improvise some stuff. That was my favourite song that we did the other day. So did you get a sense you could beat that tune up a little? Yeah, because I think something that I definitely got from the jazz world is that when I'm writing... I do write for specific band members, you know, like when I know who the band is, like I'm not just writing like, oh, this is the, this is how it goes, play that. I'm kind of thinking of them individually, their sound, their voice and like what they can kind of do or, or bring to it. I do like writing with like specific players in mind. Do you, do you write the music first sometimes? Or is it lyrics first? The idea comes to me usually. It's a, like like one line, one kind of phrase. So it is or lyric sentence. based, yeah. But it'll come with a melody. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, they just come together, little little set, and then I can imagine the harmony. Yeah. <laughs> usually, a, a sort of sort of melodic phrase with the lyrics that comes to me, and yeah, I build everything from there. And I usually write at the piano. Is that sort of a pen paper sort of scenario then? When, you, when yeah. you're writing the piano, is it very much leaning over and notating? Notebooks that I'll write the the lyrics in and then just write down kind of 
chord symbols and stuff. I'll notate everything in Sibelius pretty early on as well. Usually the band arrangement is, yeah, the band arrangement's a big part of the song. Who's your dream guest to be in part of your band? Of course, the band are great as they are, but if you could hire a musician to come on board. Immediately I'm thinking of Harry James Angus. Solo projects are a huge influence on, on my writing and his work with the Cat Empire. But yeah, like one thing that I really like to do when I'm like singing along with music in the car is I'll like try and turn it into a duet. You know, they'll listen along and add different harmonies and trying to like make it feel like a duet even if it's just it's not meant to be a duet yeah I mean if I was to invite someone on stage to just like jump in on a song like I'm sure we'd have a good time Mallory it's been an absolute pleasure thanks very much for joining Radio Notes thank you for having me Mallory Steele of Duberville their debut EP is Made From Steel, available as both a physical and digital release through their band camp. Just a little reminder, you can find us on the socials Radio Notes podcast on both Instagram and Facebook and also can be heard via Spotify. I think throughout the coming year that's going to be a popular place for podcasts to be listened to. So if you listen to music on that platform you may wish to listen to us as well there next time we'll catch up with these two we first met adelita 2015 when we won a competition that claire bowditch was running for her winter secrets tour where she got people to cover her songs and pick people to come and perform them at her tour and we did a cover of one of her songs, I, uh, thought, you I thought You Were God, yes. And she picked us to perform at the Corner Hotel with her. Adelita was supporting her at that show and we met her then and we thought she was awesome. And then later on, I think I think maybe a year or two later, I did a songwriting mentorship with her through The Push. We just got along really well and kind of became friends and she also has a hobby of taking photos and doing films and she was like why don't we make a film clip together so we've made three film clips with her the siblings of the charm of finches talking about how they got to work and continue to get to work with adelita of magic dirt they are our feature guests next time here on radio notes thanks very much to our feature guest this week Mallory Steele of De Herberville. Radionotespodcast.com for show notes and links. Web design there by Steve Davis. Theme music by Martin Kennedy and All India Radio. I'm Tammy Weller. John Merch is the producer and host based in Adelaide, South Australia. Radio Notes.